Looking to document a going away party? Working on a project in a dimly lit room? Did you need to see the monster's eyes in the dark? Sony camcorders have you covered. Sony camcorders, when you need more than just memories. Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode of What a Disaster, where we watch and review a disaster movie as close to weekly as we can possibly stand. I'm Gregory Allen, and as usual, I'm joined by Richard Sawasinski and Liz Bedore. This week, Liz wanted to watch me get motion sickness and kind of dry heave, so we watched Cloverfield, which was released in 2008 as kind of a uh, handy cam monster movie sort of thing, and it's pretty much what happens when someone stretches the Blair Witch Project tightly around a Godzilla movie and then just throws $25 million at it. Honestly, though, the craft services budget on Cloverfield has got to have been bigger than the entire budget for Blair Witch Project. And Blair Witch Project killed it in the box office, almost double that. So, Craig, this movie was directed by Matt Reeves and the writer was Drew Goddard. What's interesting about uh, Matt Reeves in particular is he's going to be directing a new Batfleck movie. He picked that up after Ben Affleck decided he wasn't going to do it anymore for whatever reason. I'm guessing because his script sucked. Also, uh, Matt Reeves made Felicity and he wrote... Under Siege 2. Dark Starring territory. Steven Seagal. Starring Steven Seagal. Ooh. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I'm sure there's a boat. I think that was a train one, actually. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't remember. It's been a long time, but I think it was a train. S- speed 3. S- was that a train? It should have been. Was there a Speed 3? There was not a Speed 3. Speed 2 was a boat, though, and it had no Keanu Reeves. Yeah. He, yeah, that would have been terrible anyway. One of my favorite movies. Speed 2? Yeah. <laughs> so Chuka Dard wrote this movie. Drew Goddard's also responsible for a couple of screenplays. He's going to be making a new Sinister Six movie. He also uh, wrote some Lost. He co-wrote Cabin in the Woods. He works with Joss Whedon a little bit. And he did some Buffy the Vampire. Buffy the Vampire Slayer stuff, which is one of my favorite shows ever. All right. So through this movie, uh, we are following kind of a group of 20-somethings. Rob, who is played by Michael Stahl David. He's been fairly busy with like single episodes of TV shows and primarily what looks like bit parts. And when I saw the movie, he really stood out as somebody that I did not recognize at all. I like Narcos a lot. And apparently he's in nine episodes of that, but he probably has a silly mustache or something. So I don't recognize him either. Fair enough. So Rob is leaving for Japan for some mysterious kind of vice president job, which is kind of what motivates everybody to get together. And that's why the camera's there. They're recording his, you know, last hurrah, the goodbye sort of thing. And so Rob and Beth is the other character that we're kind of introduced to at the beginning of the film. Later on, you kind of find that uh, she is pretty much there exclusively just to motivate bad decisions in the movie uh she's played by odette annabelle and i really couldn't find anything notable about her either it seems like this movie was kind of where a bunch of careers went to die greg you uh, you also missed a point that they taped over robin best sex tape to film this going away party richard's making some assumptions there regarding what the contents of that tape but uh they certainly were recording over some very happy moments that uh, Rob and Beth were having. Did you see this ending up on the internet? I'm oh, fine. Cover up. See if I can. I'm interested in other things. Now, that next up, we see Lily, who is played by Jessica Lucas, and Jason, who is played by somebody else whose name I don't Jason remember. Jason is Rob's brother, and Lily is his uh, brother's girlfriend. She's been in all... Now, Jessica Lucas, that is, has been in all kinds of stuff that I've never, ever seen, but... We may see more of her work on our podcast because she is also in another disaster movie called Pompeii, which I'm assuming is about a volcano erupting and murdering an entire village of people, but I'm not entirely certain. It's absolutely about a volcano erupting and murdering a bunch of people, and I am incredibly excited. This is going on the list. She, the, the, she Lily, doesn't seem to like walking up a bunch of stairs. Uh, she doesn't like carrying things without help, and she also, later on in the movie, we find, does not enjoy being bitten by weird space crab spider things, so... Also, all the women in this film wear heels for everything. It's not exactly comfortable for them to do anything. I believe those are actually climbing shoes. They have the heel point there so that they can stick it into rock more effectively. If you're watching the Batman movies, you know those heels actually have a functional capacity for riding motorcycles and fighting bad guys. You need to relax. There is not one single motorcycle in this film. Moving on from... How horribly dressed these women are for the... I mean, they were at a party. High heels are normal for party girls, right? Um, 
So moving on from them, we've got HUD is uh, the, the kind of he's the documentarian of the movie. He is played by T.J. Miller. Uh, this was kind of his first acting performance, his first credit at the very least. Uh, he's not too shabby, all things considered. He seems pretty unlikable in the movies I've seen and read of him, so I'm not going to talk about him anymore. But HUD is, HUD is Rob's best friend, though they don't talk much at the party because he was given the responsibility of getting video of the party and testimonials and all that good stuff. And um, Which is a lot of responsibility, I think, and it's also pretty annoyingly executed. But you know what? It's at least a decent enough excuse to have a camera, which is better than the, he just really likes to record everything we're doing thing that we usually end up with in found footage movies. I have a question about this process real quick. Do you think TJ Miller was just standing off stage yelling his lines at the other Absolutely, cast members? Yes. I very much think that that's primarily how it happened. Or he may have been standing next to the camera. Either way, he was just yelling things at people. Uh, at least he was there. That, you could tell he was there. Yes. That's important. He had to have been there. Or I don't know. Maybe he was just recording from his bathroom. So the, the last the last main actor I'm going to mention is Marlena, who's played by Lizzie Camp- Kaplan. And she's just a terrific actor. I mean, I've, I've seen her in a bunch of stuff. I really enjoy her. She was in Masters of Sex and quite a few other things. And um, I really should get around to watching Freaks and Geeks because apparently she plays a pretty significant role in that. Oh, yes. And Mean Girls. Don't forget Mean Girls. I Epic. have never seen Mean Girls. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Is it a, is it a disaster movie? It might have to be now. <laughs> <laughs> she also had a very big role in the movie that moved me the most. I cried twice. Hot Tub Time Machine. I didn't even know she was in that. I, I haven't yeah. seen that in years, though. Yeah. Um, I have a hard time watching it, tearing up just thinking about it. So Marlena is a friend that knows somebody that knows Rob. She doesn't seem particularly comfortable being at the party outside of getting some drinks. And she definitely doesn't want to be involved with HUD at all, who is constantly trying to film her and generally coming off as kind of a creep. Hey, Rob. Uh, Marlena. I think we've met like probably three times for total. And every one of those times I was really drunk, so I don't really even know what but you have about cool the first That's 18 like minutes, this movie is basically just low cool. drama budget, low budget drama nonsense. Talking about how, oh, Rob and Beth hooked up and it's just miserable. I did not like, I didn't like anybody. I didn't the, uh, want to hear yeah. about any of this stuff. The guy that the party was for, whose name is Rob, um, pretty much spent the entire party being sad about Beth, who, to be fair, showed up with another guy. The music's awesome in this movie, as long as you're in the party scene, because there's no score in this film at all. That's an interesting fact. But early on, there's a song by Spoon. There's an early song by Kings of Leon, who's a band I end up hating later, but I like Kings of Leon. Let's not forget 192000 by The Gorillas, which is my favorite gorilla song ever. So, far, so the party's full of douchebags, but the music at the party pretty top on point beth ends up bringing a dude to rob's party which seems inappropriate uh everybody at the party was basically telling this guy rob that beth was still into him and she's still crazy about you and she's just doing this just because you're going to japan and she wants to act out that's the uh the drama of the party until a monster happened yeah so finally right around 18 minutes or so is when something actually happens in the movie uh we get a big earthquake everybody's like oh my god it's new york why is there an earthquake uh they shoot outside and at this point this is where the ball really gets rolling with the movie there's an explosion in the new york skyline a building's just coming down uh i think everybody at that point decides maybe it's not safe to be in the top of the building and they go down to street level where they witness the head of the statue of liberty ricochet off a building and just right in it's just laying there, and suspiciously, nobody takes a selfie with it. I like the fact that, the, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, first off, I think this film might be too old for selfies. It's like, what, 2008? No, that is my space time. That but is the birth of the selfie. They grew that head up uh, three times the size it should have been. Yeah, I think, it read it was, yeah. I think I read it was about 50, 50% bigger yeah. than, it, uh, than it actually is. And I thought when it hit the ground that it looked a little large. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the test audiences didn't think it was big enough. They weren't convinced. After the Statue of Liberty head hits, uh, I mean, that pretty much confirms to everybody that it's New York City, right? So now we know where they are. Um, there were, you know, buildings explosion, exploding, lots of stuff falling. Nobody's really going anywhere until finally a dust cloud rolls in and everybody's like, oh, you know what? 
maybe we should run away from where everything's blowing up. I would also like to mention that up until this point, many of the characters were seen taking many, many shots and drinking a lot of drinks. Their state of mind is not exactly sound for any of this, but uh, also um, later on, like slightly later after the Statue of Liberty thing, they show the actual like Statue of Liberty, what's left of it. And everything else about the statue is still intact. Like, the monster only just knocked the head off in a weirdly poignant display of vandalism that... I think you mean anti-Americanism. How (laughs) dare that foreigner come onto our soil and deface our monument? It's, like, otherwise unscathed, but completely beheaded. This movie is super bipolar, too, because before this moment, the biggest piece of drama is that HUD told everybody... That Robin Beth fuck. Guess who had sex? Their capacity for scandal is limited. So the fact that Robin Beth had sex is no longer important to the story. I'm glad we spent 15 minutes on yeah, it. Yeah, well, that, that entire that it- 18 minutes is basically useless, except it establishes that there is a relationship between Rob and Beth. Uh, otherwise, this could have been any group of people, and we could have figured out that they were friends in two minutes instead of 18. It drove me a little nuts. I think that Beth is supposed to be portrayed as the heroine of the movie. But I really hate that idea because she doesn't really have any noteworthy lines and she doesn't really like have much of a personality. She just brings this other dude to a party and we urgently have to save her, even though she's probably already dead. You know what? I, f- I did forget to mention that they, that Rob and Beth get into a fight and Beth leaves the party. So Rob yeah. is, you know, left alone yeah. at his drinking away party. heavily. Oh, yeah. Everybody there is drinking pretty heavily, especially Rob. He kind of locks himself off in the room. But uh, yeah, Beth leaves. And so before all this stuff's going down, Beth has managed to make her way home and is basically not in the movie for the vast majority of it. Yeah. But, Up until the Brooklyn Bridge scene. Well, you know, you know fuck, fuck Beth, because she hasn't talked to Rob in two weeks. and She brought a guy to his going away party. And also, Rob was leaving Beth for Japan anyway, so I don't know what he's so stressed about. They were best friends, and he was desperately in love with her. Okay, so back to back to the street. We've got the Statue of Liberty head. Cloud of dust rolls in. Everybody finally decides it's maybe time to run away, and everything is just trash. Everybody is like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna just get out of Manhattan. We're gonna get on the Brooklyn Bridge. We are. Friggin' out of here. At this point, we haven't seen anybody die on screen, though I would argue that either the earthquake or the explosion that we see at the beginning, either one of those would technically be the first death. You can pick which one you want there. I'm thinking that probably somebody's dead at this point. I feel like we're cracking the world. We counted first death and it was off screen. It was off screen. It was 5000 people in a city with a population of 600 people. Well, you find out that, first of all, you find out that it's a monster during the convenience store scene when they're taking shelter in this little, like, sort of shop. And HUD says, it's alive, and you can hear it stomping around and growling, but you don't have any idea of what it is or anything. And this this movie really plays up on that Jaws sort of idea of not showing too much of the monster. At least until the very end. So I do like what they did with this movie in that um, we, we get, I mean, we're stuck with the point of view of the camera, obviously. So it gives us a little bit of, it gives us a little bit of tension because we can't see the monster. We don't know what's going on outside of what we're witnessing with our intrepid heroes. They, they, so they get on this bridge. Rob's making a call trying to get a hold of Beth. He is desperate to get a hold of Beth because obviously he's drunk and freaking out. We find out he gets a voicemail or talks to her and she's just... Says she can't move. The wall collapsed on her in her apartment. And so Rob has decided that it is time to figure out what's going on there. So as they're leaving the bridge, Rob's brother Jason is like, where are you guys going? What's going on? And he's climbing up on the bridge. And this is where we get our actual first on-screen death when the tail from the Cloverfield monster smashes directly into Jason. I think he wanted to go for a swim. I'm not sure. But he is definitely very, very dead. Jason goes down. Jason goes down hard. So did all the other nerds on that bridge. It's a it's a slaughter fest. Oh, I missed one of my favorite moments of background dialogue in this movie, which was back when uh, everything was really dusty and people are kind of disoriented and wandering around the streets. There are two extras in the background that 
over the main characters, you can hear the one girl yell, I'm not yelling at you. And the other girl yells, yes, you are. You know what? It's the little things that can really make a story really (laughs) stand out and pop. I'm not yelling at you. Yes, you you are. You are. Liz is. We realize that Rob needs to get a hold of Beth, save Beth. That's that's what motivates any number of horrible, horrible decisions that lead to every other bad decision in this movie. And I feel like nothing they do is smart. Well, it's primarily motivated by alcohol, so that might be why. Uh, I think it's primarily motivated by the giant monster who's stomping the city into the ground. Also, I want to point out that Jason dies that's that's Rob's brother, right? Like presumably, that's a whole element of crazy. Presumably they grew up together. Presumably they've known each other for a very long time. That motherfucker doesn't miss a beat. When after Jason dies, he just goes running after Beth. He's like, "Well, I got one left. Let's go." Yeah, as soon as as soon as Jason dies, Rob's off. Like He's, he doesn't. It's no checking on him. No nothing. Just it's time to go. I gotta find Beth. I can't. You know, I can't be without her. It's Japan's gonna suck. I'm very clearly concerned about Japan and not the disaster going on around him, I'm sure. At this point, he is trying to feel like his cell phone battery dies. He takes off without his friends and breaks into an electronics store while everybody's looting just to get a battery for his cell phone. And I would like to harken back to a brighter age where we could replace batteries in our phones when they died, because that is a beautiful moment. This brings me to my favorite line in the movie, which is... We gotta get out of here. It's time to leave the electronics store. Now, I don't know how many favorite lines of the movie you're gonna get this episode, but I'm shooting You only for, get six. I'm shooting for five, so... <laughs> I was going to say... Uh, also, this is where I switch from hating Beth the most to hating Rob the most in this movie. Because Rob just walks to the fucking convenience store or I'm sorry electronic store with conveniently held batteries he walks to the electronic store doesn't tell his friends anything about where he's going at all he never communicates anything to his friends he just sprints in a direction and they try to follow him and keep track of him it was lucky that he did go in there uh this is the first view that we really get of the monster tj miller walks in and they're they're showing all the 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 you know news footage on the tvs in there and we see the first wide shot of the monster crawling around the city and wreaking havoc. They do replay the video of Jason's untimely death, along with all the other nerds on that bridge. Um, it seems like a really <laughs> sad place to be. Oh, man. <laughs> so finally, we we all get out of the electronics store. And Rob is, I mean, he, dude is obsessed with going to find Beth. For all he knows, she's dead. So he's going to risk his life to maybe save her. I will say at this point in the movie, he very much tries to separate himself from HUD and um, Marlena and Lily. He does not want them to fall. He has no interest in them helping him. He's going to do it on his own. He's not going to risk their lives. And of course, they're not going to let him. So they start chasing him, trying to save him. This is not me crazy, he insists. Just insanely drunk. Yeah, he wasn't crazy. He's just, you know, he's very clear headed with all that booze and adrenaline. And watching his brother and heartbreak. die. And, you know, and the combination of factors here, I feel like maybe they should have done a little more to stop him other than complain at him. So they're running away from the electronics store. And then someone tries to stop them. They don't heed that direction. And they end up in military crossfire like dumb idiots. A lot of their bad luck stems from decisions like that. Just First like- of all, there is a sweet bazooka blast in this scene. So... <laughs> So, as I said, there's a, a sweet bazooka blast that just kind of narrowly misses Rob, that smug little shit. And th- there's a lot of military kind of attacking the monster, trying to do anything that these people can do against, you know, a 500 foot, million foot tall beast of destruction. Uh, so Rob and the team decide that they are going to make an attempt to get down into the subway. And, of course, they almost get sh- shot and stepped on by the Cloverfield monster. So that's my favorite. That, that's how I personally want to go. If I could get shot and stepped on at the same time. It also uh, Clover screams at HUD for the first time at this point. This is their first sort of personal interaction between the monster and HUD, which happens a lot during the movie. In the end, they they actually like make eye contact and have a conversation. <laughs> the it monster is. screams at him. He looks. 
uh, the, the, the monster looks lovingly at HUD and the <laughs> HUD has just hearts in his eyes. It is unbelievable. The bond that they share and you can tell, like you can feel that moment. This is a love story between HUD and Clover. I think we found the angle. This is definitely a love story. <laughs> HUD, HUD and uh, what are we going to call the monster? Why else would, why else would Clover? Clover be chasing them this yeah. entire movie if it wasn't for true love? It is always right next to wherever they are. It is there. I think it's because HUD continues to yell the mating call of the Clover. Where are you, Rob? Come back, Rob. The whole movie. The whole movie. Yeah, I guess HUD is Rob's best friend. But there is an awful lot of whiny, come on, Rib, out of that man. That's actually T.J. Miller's only line in this movie, I think. Yeah, just Rob a lot. <laughs> and besides, then, it's time to leave the electronics store. And flirting with Marlena very, very poorly and awkwardly. Finally, they decide to move into the subway and they get to find some peace down below the, the from the fighting. Obviously, you're hearing the gunfire and all that stuff, but this is where they make their next really big plan which is also a bad idea. I like that in this scene, the girls huddle to the grossest possible item in the entire room, which was an overturned garbage can. They just snuggle up right on it in their little high heels. Everything else in the room is clean and fine, but that's where they went. <laughs> Will Team Kaiju be safe in their underground bunker? Will we be able to finally make a good decision that gets everyone out of harm's way? Stay tuned and find out the answers to these questions and more when, when we return with the exciting conclusion of Cloverfield. Hey, are you feeling a little run down? Are you looking to shed those extra pounds for bathing suit season? Are you worried you'll never be fast enough to escape certain doom? Well, come on down to Fast Freddy's Fitness Emporium. Fast Freddy will connect you with one of their many experienced and certified trainers who will develop a custom routine just for you. Come on in and use the promotion code RUN and your first session is free. Remember, you don't need to be the fastest. You just need to not be the slowest. All right, so at this point, Team Kaiju decides to walk down the tunnels since the streets are kind of all tore up and uh, the Brooklyn Bridge is pretty much closed for maintenance at this point. Uh, I imagine construction crews will be out there pretty soon to start rebuilding the entire thing. How about that Statue of Liberty, though? I don't think construction crews are going to be showing up anytime soon. They're, they're on their way. I, I mean, they'll be there with the stuff to fill the potholes. They'll probably have temporary lanes. Over. Like, they'll close one lane, but then the rest will be, it'll be ready to go. They've got to evacuate the city. They can't just leave people. <laughs> but, I mean, they were given the choice, and somebody said, it's either walk the tunnels or stay here. And they decide, yeah, maybe walking the tunnels is a better idea than sitting around in the subway where people are blowing each other up directly above them. Uh, lots of guns and shooting and screaming and squealing. Yeah, so that's probably no good. HUD uses this opportunity to shine the camera light in everyone's face individually, and and he attempts to uh, awkwardly converse with Marlena very deeply about what is going on outside, even though she's very clearly disoriented and in shock. T.J. Miller's desperate to connect to Marlena, and he looks at her and... Greg, I want you to hear this clip because it's pretty funny. Planet and flew here, like Superman. Yeah, exactly. Like, wait, you know who Superman is? Oh my God, bro, you know who Superman is? Okay, I'm. Oh, I'm like feeling so. Are you aware of Garfield? A lot of people think. Are you aware of Garfield? Are you aware of Garfield? I mean, he was excited that somebody knew about one of the most popular comic book heroes ever, and it definitely fit his level of loser. So that was good. Like, was, like, was, like there's anybody in, this, in the fucking planet who hasn't heard of Superman at this point. Um, so as they're going through here, they're, they're walking through the tunnels, trying to make their way away from the violence above them. And suddenly they start seeing cute little rats coming to visit. <laughs> they tried to warn them. The rats tried, but they just called them gross and ignored them. Always listen to the rats. Yeah, kind of everybody was watching and they were like, "Ooh, rats, gross. And then they were like, oh, you know what? Maybe we should probably run, too, because that's a bad sign, I think. Like in the movie The Mummy or Indiana Jones or every movie I've ever seen ever where bad things happen and rats run away. So T.J. Miller zips around with that camcorder. I've got to tell you, though, this thing is the most feature filled camcorder I've ever seen. It has a light. It has night vision, shoots incredibly in low light. 
picks up surround sound audio somehow. I mean, that thing is magnificent. That is a piece of technology, the likes of which we have never seen except in this movie. Sony, when you want more than just memories. That's right. (laughs) So um, as he swings around the camera in night vision mode, all of a sudden we see uh, the weird, scary spider crab parasites that uh, the clover monster has dropped on the ground. The fuck those things things, right? Because fuck those things. Oh, seriously, fuck those things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so supposedly, according to the creators of the film, um, these were meant to be parasites, and the monster is meant to be a newborn, a scared, frightened newborn that's just stumbling around the city. But these things are the parasites that were attached to it in the womb, and it's shedding them now that it's birthed. So, (laughs) (laughs) So So they are the... Probably the bigger issue here, and a lot of critics considered the monster kind of disappointing, but these were kind of like the main action. This is the scariest part in the movie to me. This was the scariest part of the movie, right? I mean, I'll agree that those things are terrifying. I would not call them more dangerous than the clover monster itself because that thing was literally leveling the entire city. They didn't say it was more dangerous, they just said that it was more disappointing. More predictable. T.J. Miller swings the camera around, sees spider crabs climbing on the ceiling, and is just like, fucking run, everybody. Like, now. Then he gets pounced on, and Marlena comes to his rescue and ultimately takes the hit for him. And sadly... The camera conveniently falls, like, right where you can watch the carnage happen, which is, in my opinion, the scariest part of the movie. Yeah, and all you see is just the horrible, horrible wound that's left on her back, and she's just kind of dazed and tired and they try to make it through but she is still alive at least for the moment i mean those bugs were very clearly hungry uh i don't know why they're trying to deny them a meal but marlena the girl that nobody knew by the way they should have just fed them to her uh they they grab her and book it yeah i'll give it up to the characters in this movie because i'm not tackling a spider crab if it's eating one of you guys i'm gonna take the opportunity to let the spider crab eat you and get to safety. Marlena was the true hero of this movie, I feel. She sacrificed herself. She sacrificed herself. She had funny lines. She was witty. She didn't really want to be there. She was a good addition, for there. sure. She's the kind of friend that I want, is the kind of friend that will mess up spider crabs that are trying to kill me. All right, so at this point, we are all over the place, and the military has finally, like they've, they, they've found a military area uh, that they've set up shop, and the army is there. It appears to be a shopping mall. It, yeah. I mean, they come out of the subway tunnel. I don't know how that stuff works. I'm sure there are places that open up just like that. Because um, why would you not have tunnels at or shopping at tunnel level in New York City? It seems like a good place to set up. New York City and in tunnels is a great place to set up, especially since there are so many Mountain Dew vending machines at your disposal. Product placement in this movie is so incredibly obvious Everywhere they do it. It drove me nuts, actually, the first time watching this. It is. The Sephora is the most poignant one to me. <laughs> that one really stood out. Yeah. We we get there. The, the army guys are, are there and are rushing along our uh, kaiju team. And they get team kaiju. Into, I'm sorry. Team kaiju. Team kaiju gets shuffled into a room with the, the military and we see them treating wounds. There are a lot of people that are just messed up from probably parasite bites. Someone is rolled by with basically no body at all, and I can't help but wonder if the only purpose of that was to freak everybody else out in this complex, because they're not wheeling this person anywhere useful. They're not going to save him. Just rolled around in circles. Like. <laughs> just, like, rolling him around. <laughs> I mean, the guy may have been in shock pushing him. So he that's had kind no of a torso. gross. No, no, no. Not the guy with oh. no torso. The guy pushing him around. How many people with no torso have you seen? I'd probably wheel him around in a day. Seven times? Okay, that is seven more times than me. Yeah, right. I mean, I would say the real danger in this hospital is the monster called infection. This place is dirty. Oh, yeah, for sure. They are definitely not in a clean room. Um, I I didn't see anybody washing in and out. I saw scarcely any rubber gloves. I saw no hand washing I saw blood just exploding from people. They get in there, and this is where we discover that the bite from the parasite is really friggin' bad. And Marlena is probably screwed. If you're in front of a doctor, yeah, man, I uh, I got cut on my arm. And their first reaction is, you need to get the fuck in this room right now. You're going to die horrifically. Yeah, it's it, going to be it terrible did, for you. It didn't end well. I think that she exploded, maybe. Just blood just 
burst. Behind a translucent screen so you could see everything, but not really quite. Oh, that was before. That was before. That was somebody else exploding. So no, we got that to see. was Marlena. Oh, you want to bet? That was yeah. Gallagher. Ooh. Actually, I do. We're Smashing ready. some fruit. We're ready. We watch the movies as we go from time to time. And uh, sometimes Liz wants to be proven wrong. Uh, all the time Liz wants to be proven so wrong. We are going to do some gonna moments do some of wrong proving right now. Fine. See? Well, okay. Stop here. They push her into the room and she explodes behind the screen. Just wait. I'm not taking there sides. There she is. She's there still, she is. She's there she, looks, she looks good. But guess what? I mean, maybe that was her. That's what I thought. I think that's Lily. That is Lily. Did I thought it was Marlena who blew up too, Greg. Let me see. Maybe she was right. Maybe I don't like to argue face, with you everybody. because that's how I get punched. Greg's mean. Oh, they shoot her, I think. Is that what happens? I thought she exploded, but... It looked like an explosion. Oh, now I gotta see this. Explode. It's hard to keep track of what's going on in this scene where they're taking Marlena away. It's just a, the camera's kind of a mess. Yeah, there she goes. She's getting pulled in there. TJ Miller she does not have a future. Tent. She goes right into the tent. And she is definitely now in the tent. And Liz was right. Oh, she explodes. Look, yeah. she's all big. Yeah, she exploded. Yeah, like her belly gets all big. Her poor friends. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, there's oh, that no. silhouette. Yeah, oh, yeah. no. Yeah, just... And there's ribs. Ooh, that's actually really good. Somebody spent a lot of time on that. And yeah, nobody, nobody we even never noticed. even notice it because this camera's so jerk. We got to talk about that. So they get wheeled into <laughs> this military mystery. compound. And uh, we start seeing all of the dead and injured people. There's a guy just pushing a torso around for no reason because they're very clearly deceased at that point, I feel like. Just to freak everybody out. That That's probably it. And one of the doctors sees Marlena and just screams, we've got a bite. And I don't think they mean like we want to take a bite, but she has been bitten. And two soldiers grab her and yank her into the back. At this point, I thought maybe uh, Marlena was going to turn into uh, another giant pretty mantis monster to terrorize the world like maybe when the parasites attack you you get infected with the praying mantis gene and you get to be one that would be amazing yeah. but instead what happens is and you can't really see it when you're watching the movie live but we we went through frame by frame to look at this she expands in the back all you see is the silhouette like just the shadow of her and it expands, expands, expands until she finally just explodes like her guts splatter on this translucent screen. It's actually really well done. And nobody is going to get to see that because of how herky jerky the camera is. But after she blows up, there's just ribs and blood. And it's really well done and amazing. I was surprised that well, I had to rewatch it just a few minutes ago. And it really looks great. And like a Gallagher concert, nobody's having a good time. The front row is. The front row is. Yet the heroes are undeterred. Yeah, I mean, obviously, everybody's really concerned about Marlena. Um, the doctors, for some reason, won't let them see her. I'm um, not entirely sure why. Marlena was the greatest thing to happen to this movie, and it's unfortunate that she dies. Actually, honestly, her, her and TJ Miller keep this movie moving as far as dialogue and personality. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason they're the only two that actually made it out of this movie with careers. <laughs> um, team Kaiju, sans Marlena, uh, they... Like I said, they didn't let her grab them. Uh, they didn't let them grab her corpse or anything. Start heading Story towards... of my life, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Why can't I just grab a corpse and go? It's, it's right there. They're it's, not using it for anything. No, What's the deal? Nobody else is touching it. Right. Nobody else is touching it. Somebody should touch it. Here we get our first glimpse of the hilariously named hammer down protocol. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. that. They're trying to get out and... The, the army guys are like, you know what, whatever, man. It, there's a giant monster destroying the city. We're not going to stop you if you want to be dumbasses. And starts explaining to them what's going on. They get fed some information about being able to leave at like 0600 or something. Wheels up at 0600, being just generic army nerds. <laughs> All the friends that decide to fucking finally go. Well, they are still drunk, so. I, they should still be drunk. I imagine it's roughly 3 a.m. They've been partying for several hours ahead of that. And the army guy is they're kind of explaining things to them, and they're finally getting ready to head out. And this is where we get our first glimpse of the hilariously named Hammer Down Protocol, which is supposed to be, I guess, an atomic blast to the city to just decimate everything, including the monster. I'd like to think that they're actually aiming for the monster with the hammer, uh, but you never know. They could just be... You don't really have to aim with that kind of weapon. You can just kind of go. I try still to get it as close as you can, <laughs> I feel like, but you never know. Um, they do not want 
They do not want people on the island when the nuke goes off, believe it or not. So when Rob hears about the hammer down protocol, I think at that point he's like, I kind of don't care about Beth anymore. I want to go. But that military guy was so like, you're so brave, man. You're such a good dude. He kind of like encourages him to go and rescue Beth. They don't How have to rally a drunk guy. Yeah, they're rallying the drunk guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, you're so brave. Like just patting him on the back. They don't even give him a fucking gun. They just send him out the door. You, not- uh, you don't just give people guns when you need them to kill spider people. Or, you know, maybe if somebody's going to explode at them, they have to kill them first. I don't know how that explodey thing works. It could be dangerous, right? What if, what if your rib came out with your guts? Boom. Rib right in your face or rib, something. Th- not how I want to go. No. They get, up to st- they get up to street level and they see that Beth's apartment building is kind of gently hugging a neighboring building because it appears to have collapsed. I don't know if it was also drinking, but it's falling over. <laughs> I just want Rod to stop right here. Have somebody hold up a camera and do like when you, you know how like the Leaning Tower Pisa shots the tourists do where they the they tower. do a light pose like yeah. a touristy pose. Rob holds it up. It's a beautifully beautifully shot scene. Yeah, I, it's like it's, you know, the building. Beth is gonna love this when you know we rescue her. And then an empty chariot horse with his little cart rolls by like a touristy New York chariot thing. They get the whole experience on this trip. They do. They really do. And this horse is just so calm. Like such a such a icon of calm in in this chaotic city. He's got his little blinders on. Apparently the spider crabs aren't into horse meat and he's doing just fine. So they go up the building that's vertical and decide, I don't know why they would do this. I don't know why they would be doing any of this frankly. This is Every decision they make is poor. Bad plan. It's a better plan than climbing the tilted building, I feel like, but the I don't know. The stairs the tilted building would be fun. Here's, the better, just... bu- here's the better plan. Don't go. Yeah, yeah don't let's go. just settle with the fact that this scene completely defies the laws of physics. I wrote in my notes, this idea is dumb. It, the, every yeah. idea they have is dumb. This is, dumb. This is the, dumb. The the only good decision they made in this movie was going down to the subway. That is the first thing that I would have thought to do is get below ground and somewhere yeah. where I have things to protect no, me above me. Two smart ideas. Brooklyn Bridge, A plus idea. Right idea. Second smart idea. Brooklyn Bridge is gone. Subway. Oh, we're, we're wrong. There's a third good idea. Getting drunk. <laughs> I wish I was drunk right now. The stripping down building has a lot of stairs and they film for at least 15 minutes of just them walking up the stairs. HUD is still filming. He's doing a great job, really. And I can at see, point, like, yeah. he's he's throughout the movie, he mentions, people are going to want to see how this all went down and stuff like that. So I, I I get it. They get in, and they find Beth, and she is just fucked by some rebar straight through her shoulder. I don't she's know how she's not bled to death passed out and point. dead in this scene. She's not coherent. She's asleep. Yeah, she's fucked so up. So Beth makes a... Straight up miraculous recovery after being yanked off of the rebar she oh, was God, impaled through the chest with. It was horrible. And oh, even though God. she was pretty much just passed out and not coherent, she's able to walk and she's able to climb and run and just as well as the rest of them. But she was straight up impaled through the chest. Oh, yeah. Rebar. She was bleeding profusely for a good four to five hours at this point. She The call was made to Rob or whatever. Whenever Rob called her, she Rob. called Rob. Uh, that was on the Brooklyn Bridge right when Jason died. So this was the beginning of the movie that she's been impaled on this rebar. and it's It, it would have been very early on, without a doubt. Through the chest. Through the, not just. It's like the sh- left shoulder area still. It's like a, a, clavicle. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it looks like it hurts. And it looks like she should have been. That bleeding for a long dead. time. It it looks fucking kill me, right? Like I'm not running with that. Oh yeah, I'd be dead for yeah. sure. I would. I, you know what? I would not have done. Called and been like, help me. Called your ex boyfriend who you brought a different guy to his party. God, that friggin' Beth. What a jerk. Best friends are not. I mean, if I'm dying on a piece of rebar, I ain't calling anybody. I'm, you know what? I would call and talk shit. I'd be like, I'm dying. You fucking suck, and hang up the phone. I don't know if I'd call <laughs> anybody. I might just die quietly. And let you all have your rest. Yeah, because you're a little chump. Shut up. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Please don't do that. Get Just get out of New York, Liz. Leave Richard. If he stubs his toe, you leave him behind. <laughs> God, could you imagine if he stubbed his toe? He'd be crying for an hour. I'm guys, crying. I'll think guys, about it. Guys, hang on. My toe. It's cramped and I stubbed it. Guys, I think we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have to take it. We're going to take it off. Just, gonna, just, just, I think it's best to lose it. Just either leave me behind. 
Or just chop it off. Oh, we'll leave you behind. Thanks. Yeah. See ya. Uh, they rescue Beth. Hey, Great. where are you guys going? Terrific. I'm still here. Uh, they leave the building. Five. They leave the building. Cloverfield is wreaking havoc right near them. I don't know why or how this thing has not managed Lil to leave Clover the city. Lil Clover is always right there with them the because whole way through. Clovey loves HUD. Clovey Clovey HUD. loves HUD. And they does. find the 0600 helicopters wheels up and they manage to get up and out. And Lily makes an escape alone. Was it Lily? No, Marlena. Marlena. No, Marlena's dead. She exploded. Marlena exploded. Marlena's dead. Why? She didn't make it to the helicopters except maybe Lily. bits right. of them. Go back. Lily. Lily makes it onto a helicopter and the helicopter flies away, never to be seen or heard from again. Yes. Lily may have survived. She I think, might have. I, I was waiting to talk to you about this, Greg. Did Lily live? They leave it ambiguous. Uh, I mean, do. they never explicitly say she dies. They never say she lives. I there like to think a, that she lives. Well, I thought there was a helicopter smackdown just before they there go was, down. but they uh, her helicopter I feel like would have been long gone at that point. And there are plenty of other helicopters there that it could have been. True. Yeah. So I'm going with Lily's alive. I'm going to be a positive Peter. Well, to be fair, also once uh, Clover gets bombed by the military, she raises her big long mantis arm and smacks down the helicopter that the heroes with the camera are I'm in. I'm just saying, T.J. Miller, HUD. Clovey loves HUD. Well, they all survive this helicopter crash. So. No, no, they don't all survive. The pilots die. So the so, trained military professionals perish. Here we go. I have a note on this doesn't because they, they can't. Uh, the the helicopter crashes and the, there's a, a still camera shot of like some torn fabric, and you just hear the radios about the the bombs coming. Soon. Hammered down. The hammer down protocol. And you you think, oh, good, everybody's dead. They're going to nuke the city. Movie's over. No, they're alive. HUD grabs the camera and they start filming. And you know what they don't do? They don't check on the friggin' military guys to see if they're okay. They're just like, you know what? Fuck them. Let's get out of here. I know they tried to save our lives. They're in body armor. They might be fine. And they just leave. We got Beth. Uh, Beth looks great. She's got a hole in her dress. What we'll the fix that? Like, because I'm not into like broken women, but we got Beth. She looks fantastic. <laughs> Uh, uh, TJ Miller's here. Hud's here with me. He's got his camera. What the fuck are we waiting for? Let's go. My leg hurts. Get me the fuck out. Grab the camera. Fuck them soldiers. Let's yeah. get out of here. Rob does hurt his leg, which is a big deal at this point compared to everything else that's happened. Rob's leg <laughs> yeah. hurts. Rob's leg is really tender, so he's yeah. just going to uh, lay for a while. Yeah, he's going to take a break. Beth is comfortable enough with her shoulder wound that she's just like gripping and hugging. Using both hands to pull Rob close to her in his leg. This is the second movie we've seen where he's just got man flu. It's just, oh, I hurt. I don't want to move. I don't want to die. What a disaster. Same thing. I have cancer. This guy. Oh, my leg might have fallen. I have my whole life in front of me. There's a promotion. I need to get to Japan for my vice president job. To see more monsters. It's Japan. It's a bad idea. So HUD grabs the camera and we get a view straight up at the monster. Weirdest genitals on a monster I've ever seen. His her genitals have hands. Handedals. Very and arms. It it's a very intimate moment in that they share a lot of eye contact and then Finally. HUD gets eight. Finally, after all of this build up, HUD finally gets eight. HUD. So that that scene where we make that eye contact and uh, Clover decides to give. He doesn't get he, eight. He, he doesn't, doesn't get no, eight. He doesn't even get eaten. He just gets a kiss mauled. and falls down. He's mauled. <laughs> no, okay. it's a kiss. Reverse Sleeping Beauty. Clover sleeping. loves Hud. Gives him a smooch. Yeah, Reverse Sleeping Beauty. Exactly. Gives At him a kiss and kills him. At the beginning of the movie, him. though, Marlena was so insistent that the monster was eating people, but it's just like biting them and dropping them, T.J. Miller tastes like shit. I want to. I want to also. Also, there's a clue. Uh, obviously, T.J. Miller's tastes like stale cigarettes and bad decisions. But I will say that there is um, a, earlier in the movie they do mention that the monster seems to be attracted to T.J. Miller. They do mention HUD. They do mention that, and it, but never explore that. They never explore why he's after HUD We're in particular. Sh- yeah, you know what? There's got to be a sequel where HUD is is cloned and they use it to attract the Cloverfield monsters as bait because the Cloverfield monsters love HUD. That's what's got. It's got to exist, right? That's what Cloverfield That was a, a movie be. written by or Joss three. Whedon, Aliens 4, who oh, wrote Cabin in the Woods, we who, wrote, who, who co-wrote, he co-wrote with the writer of this film. There it is. It all comes full circle. Yeah, it circle. all comes full circle. Well, I have to wonder if, uh, if HUD could have just 
played dead. Like, could you just drop down and not moved? And he didn't try. He didn't explore many options, I guess, is my point. He just I, kind of stood there looking up at it until it got him. Yeah, he had a many decisions he could have made at that point, And he chose stand staring in terror and urinating in his pants. They are under a bridge. I think, in right? Central it's a bridge, Park, right? yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, no, no, they they, they definitely run it's under a bridge. It's an old brick bridge on, in Central Park. It has a name, and I can't remember what the significance was, but there's a reason that they chose this bridge. I think so. They get get under the bridge and start just kind of saying, "Hey, this is my name. This is what's going on." You can see the city burning around them briefly in the background. And I, I mean, this is more or less the the final few moments. He's he's trying to convince Beth to. Let them know what's going on just to document their existence and what happened with this this giant beast. Well, all of their friends are dead because of their decisions, and ultimately, they die too. Between Beth begging for Rob to save her life and Rob deciding that it's a good idea to save Beth's life, it cost everybody, potentially not Lily, but just about everybody else their lives. Plus, don't stop fucking running. No, never stop running. To be fair, his leg is hurt, but, you know. It served you well, the whole movie. And he goes, he crawls underneath this bridge, and Beth is like, are you sure that we should be just sitting under a bridge? Oh, my God, a bomb went off. There's a hammer down. Oh, the hammer down protocol has been initiated, but didn't they know that there were Americans there? They had no idea. This is a very anti-American film. (laughs) But the movie Um, ends, and it cuts back to the, the last scene of this movie is actually their date. Yeah, it, it, it circles back. They're on this day, and, and they're at a carnival, and they're like, this is one of the best days of my life, April 27th. I didn't bring this up when I should have, but uh, Beth is a very, very rich girl with a centrally located New York apartment, and she's never experienced, apparently, these quintessential New York experiences like Coney Island. Their special day was all about covering this territory that, up until now, Beth's sheltered existence has pro- prohibited her from enjoying so the movie ends with her saying, this has been a very good day. All I right. like hot dogs. So based on kind of our uh, assessment and conversation, here, I think you kind of know how we feel about the movie. But we will hold back our personal opinions and takes on it till after this break. Hold for the exciting conclusion of Cloverfield and how we feel about it, because that's what's important. How about this? We concluded the movie already. Now we're just giving our opinions. What the fuck? Why are you trying to undercut me, Richard? How about this? How about you guys can just we'll turn right this back. off whenever you want. We'll be right back. All right, and welcome back. We have finished up Cloverfield. We've gotten through. We've seen our friends just get mauled by giant monsters and explode from whatever it is that bit them. I mean, those parasites were horrible. We've seen just some bad decisions render the characters completely useless. A lot of drunk decisions. Oh, yes, certainly a lot of drunk decisions. Rick's life. And you know what? A little bit of drunk never hurt anybody, frankly. And it definitely helped us get through the podcast today. Today. <laughs> and every day. Really, just every moment of my waking life is spent with beer in my... That's not true. It helps don't, with work for me. Guys, don't call my boss and be like, Greg needs help. She doesn't need two phone calls. She knows who I am. She's got it. Richard, what did you think? I actually enjoyed this movie a lot. And I have a funny feeling I'm going to enjoy this movie a lot more than a lot of the movies we're going to watch in the future. I thought Cloverfield was very creative. What I didn't like about this movie was how shallow the main characters were. Rob and Beth were not interesting to me. Their issues weren't interesting to me. And I honestly didn't care if they pulled um, the Beth kebab away from her apartment or not. It wasn't interesting (laughs) to me at all. Beth kebab. Beth kebab. Uh, What I really liked about this movie was I thought it was charming. I thought the monsters were well done. It felt like when I went and saw this movie when I was probably in my early 20s, I remember just feeling like I was part of the crew. I was part of uh, Team Kaiju trying to run away from the monster. And it was fun to see what it would be like to be involved in it, be in a city where a monster was taking over. Some of this movie has 7 out of 10 on the Richter scale. 
I would say that it's a pretty good movie. The first time watching, it's great. Second time watching, it doesn't hold up as well. I saw this movie when I was 18 years old in 2008. I went to the theater to see it. And at the time, I really liked it. I didn't, I didn't really like notice that the character's development didn't go anywhere. And it didn't really... It didn't really bother me that the characters were at this party and they were having all these weird dramatic problems that weren't really all of that problematic in the end. But as I've gotten older, this movie is a little bit less watchable for me. What I will say is that I still love the monster. I think that Clover was pretty well executed. I would give it a six and a half out of ten, I think, on the Lister scale. It would have been amazing in 2008 if I weren't too cool to be all in on Cloverfield. That would have been fantastic because they had the website, all the augmented reality stuff where people were solving these weird mysteries on Reddit and all that stuff. I mean, they still have the Cloververse or whatever on Reddit where they're discussing the new movies that are coming out. They discuss all the stuff that's happened in the movies previously. It seems amazing. And if I had been as interested, if I had seen the movie or had been interested in seeing the movie, then I would have loved every moment of this and I would have been all in on it as it stands. um, I did not see it until, you know, a few days ago and I, uh, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, The movie itself was it was disjointed at times the the opening um the opening was breathtakingly tedious yeah <laughs> so the opening act was garbage and did not need to be there it did not need to be 18 minutes it just that drama was useless but yeah i, I do just wish that well, um, shut up so i can finish jesus would you like greg finish my god oh, wow who jesus christ you i I brought her. I thought she'd be cool. So yeah, they, they could have spent. She's not. They could have spent much less time making these characters, like establishing these relationships and showing, hey, these guys are getting drunk before something bad is happening. Outside of that, it was it was it was cool. I did not like the herky jerky camera. The handy cam stuff makes me motion sick. I cannot stomach that very well. The movie itself, I enjoyed. I did not like the characters very much, but I did like that they made some bad decisions that made some interesting things happen. I could relate the careless decisions. No, they were bad. Like, <laughs> I'm not going, I'm just not going to do any of this stuff except for hiding in the, the subway. That's about it for We've me. We've got the rats, the military and everyone on the street telling us not to go this way, but yet we're going to go this way. The The direction seemed good. They moved this plot along very well. They kept things relevant to what was going on, which was good. There's, there are a lot of movies that just tend to meander and it, this didn't do a lot of that. Admittedly, they had to cut to a very short. I think they went for like 80 minutes, which was similar to what a mini DV could record at that point. The movie was good. I enjoyed it. I liked the monster. I like all the weird stuff that's going on outside of it. Since I've seen it, I've done a lot of research on it and I'm I'm into it now. I can't wait for the next one at this point. So I'm going to give this one an eight out of 10 on the Gregter scale. And I would very much strongly recommend seeing it if you haven't already. Just Greg. make sure that you watch it on a small screen if you get motion sick or you're not going to be happy. This is breaking news. Breaking news from SlashFilm.com. Reported on January 23rd, 2018. There will be a sequel release on Netflix. There you go. April yeah. 2018, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. And we are going to see more Cloverfield stuff. We'll see if we can actually watch it for the show once it comes out. Hammer down. Hammer down protocol out. Out.